the minute a lad had asked me for a ticket, he'd go into the book. He could have 50, 60, 70 requests. They would look the mammy then and kind of went through the list of who deserved the most. <laughs> there could be a lot of lads texting. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It is time to say a very good morning to the former Munster and Ireland international Keith Wood. Very good morning, Keith. Morning, Shane. How are you? Keeping well. Keeping well. I know you've had a, you've had a busy week. You've had, a, of all things, a Lions reunion this week. I know. Yeah, Lions reunion. Twenty five years from from ninety seven, which is <laughs> it was wonderful. Actually, we're over um, over in England, and we had the vast majority of the squad, coaches, support team were there. So it was it's wonderful. Actually, uh, poignant and wonderful in equal measure. There was no getting back on the pitch to kind of recreate some of those big moments from 97. It was all, it's, I'm sure, off-pitch antics. Yeah, there were far more creaking bones than we had then, maybe. But it was, uh, yeah, it was, look, it was, a, you have to mark those moments of your life, I suppose. And it was really interesting. We had, um, we had poor Tom Smith, of course, passed away a couple of months ago. Um, but his wife, Zoe, was over, which was, which was amazing. Um and of course, we've Doddy with motor neuron disease, and he's fighting the the best fight. I think he's raised for motor neuron in thirteen or fourteen million at this stage. It's been quite extraordinary. So, um, yeah, you have to take all of those opportunities to try and remember remember those great days, those great people. But it was it was extraordinary um, seeing guys that you haven't seen so I would have seen some of them over the years with the BBC and kind of on that little bit of a circuit but there's some guys I hadn't seen for 25 years so it's still great to see some of the passion burning um, bright in it Um, I had the most wonderful conversation with Jim Telfer um, 82 years of age and I reckon he could still uh, marshal the troops if he had to Um, the the obsession and passion he still had was, was burning bright Doddy's been some inspiration hasn't he like I mean I suppose it's been brought to the fore by uh, Charlie Bird in Ireland of late um, but um, prior to that even Doddy's just I don't know I can't think of another word actually just inspirational yeah I'm I'm, um, I don't know how long Doddy has it they call it a three year disease um, because most people don't survive past three years once you get it Doddy is I think it's about six years now for 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 Daddy, and uh, he's extraordinary. His family are extraordinary. Um, um, his wife was with him, and uh, and one of his sons, which you know, it just kind of partly shows some of the family that has to be part of everything that has ever happened for anybody's life. But um, his courage is is pretty extraordinary. It, but it's more than that. It's the smile. I mean, he's got this ludicrous grin and. Uh, twinkle in his eye and his uh, his speech is more halting now than than it has been but there still is pure humor in it um he wears it with an awful lot of grace actually and it's uh yeah it was it's amazing to see him really was it's funny like the old cliche Keith like you don't know what you've got until it's gone and 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 even you know when you're in that moment in 1997 on that Lions tour you're in the heat of the battle you're probably not thinking about you know looking back quarter of a century later and 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 enjoying those times that you had but when you're when you're sitting there at a reunion and you're seeing people like Doddy and having conversations as he said with people like Jim Telfer it, it, it must put, put it all in perspective for you like it, it, you kind of appreciate what you had at the time well it's a little bit surreal we were kids we were 25 well I was 25 so some of the guys were like Eric Miller was 21 um, 
Uh, Matt Dawson was maybe 23, 24, Jeremy Davidson the same. Um, there was a huge amount of young guys in that team. You kind of forget that afterwards. And um, yeah, it was important. Look, it was an important part in our life. And you could see the level of emotion that was there for, for everybody. I mean, we're always kind of on the on the verge of a, an old tear. And there was the hugs and cuddles, as you'd see every every single time. It was just... And it was it was different. So we're all there with our wives, our partners. It's all um, uh, it's just nice, and you know it's a nice part of our history. It was it was a thing that was was great twenty five years ago, and um, and it's a shared experience. I'm, I'm, Ian McGeekin had said a long time ago in that Lions video, but well, I would have said he said it to us, but it came out in the video that you know there'd be a time in in twenty thirty years hence where you just you know you'd share you'd share a look across a room sort of thing. It was incredibly evident um, over the last few days. So it was fantastic. Yeah, he clearly wasn't wrong in, in, in what he said. Like Very few Irish players on that 97 uh, British and Irish Lions squad. Uh, you had Martin Johnson leading leading the, the surge as captain. Like, I'm thinking to you know Paul O'Connell, the great videos of Paul O'Connell in Lions dressing rooms rallying the troops. 97 was a different era. You don't have the, the cameras in the dressing room. You didn't have the social media age either. Um so a very different feel. But what was what was Martin Johnson's leadership like in that dressing room in '97? Yeah, well, well, we did have we did have cameras because we had the video that was in there. Not not as if you'd see it live, but we we had that living with lines video that came out afterwards. Mm. Um, we had um, it was it was it, look it was very interesting because we were mostly amateur. We would just gone professional a year or two, but we were still we were still amateur. It was. Um, it was different because, you know, you're doing an awful lot of things right and you're doing an awful lot of things wrong. And you look back at it 25 years afterwards and you say, what would you do differently and all that sort of stuff. Jono was an unusual character. We had four Irish guys, Wally, Eric, uh, Jeremy and myself. Um, and we would have followed Jono anywhere because he had a very calm authority. He... Um, he, he didn't talk a huge amount. He actually didn't like talking and he didn't think... Uh, some of the other players would listen to him from the other countries. So he was quite happy for uh, for me to talk a bit. I was Irish captain for Delalio to talk, for Rob Wainwright to talk, Yain Evans. Um, it was, he was without a shadow of a doubt the leader, but it was some way egalitarian. You know, everybody had a voice. There weren't too many voices, but there was always uh, a voice from the corner if it was needed. So just deferred to him always. And uh and pull together afterwards. It's funny, like I was watching a video the other day of um, Rio Ferdinand on, on TV talking about that great English generation of midfielders in the, in the mid-2000s when you had the likes of Gerrard, Lampard, Scholes, Carrick, Hargreaves, you know, you had the best midfielders in the world all in one team. They were all leaders at their individual clubs and yet when they came together at international level, they couldn't seem to transform it onto the pitch and, 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 and become the team. But clearly in as you mentioned, the Lions squad, you had Johnson, you had uh, Delalio, you had yourself as well, all leaders and, and captains and uh, you know figures of authority within your own international setups. But clearly there was something within that Lions team and, and Lions team since, it has to be fair as well, where those leaders kind of gel together and come together as one. Well, I, I, I think you defer to the, to the captain. Actually, that's what that's what ultimately what happens because you need to have one person that is 
the lightning rod for for the rest, for the rest of the players, for the rest of the leaders, whatever it's going to be. Um, you, you can't be vying for, for 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 that sort of attention. You just can't. And it's one of the things you, you, you kind of give up. I remember actually after Johnson retired, it was very interesting. Um, after he retired from England, I was in the studio with him for the BBC um, and England were playing Ireland and Ireland beat England. And one of the reasons was there was four or five players for England who all thought they should have been captain. And whereas before Johnson was the standout captain, this time they were kind of almost vying for who made what decision and when. And it was, it just took a period of time for them to get stability. And I mean, that can happen. And that's, you know, sometimes you just need the right guy there in 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 that jersey with the armband because then you can follow him. You know, it's if other people think they should be there ahead of him. Um, look, for me, he was the best captain I played under. Uh, I I'd have followed him anywhere, you know, and so that was um, uh, so that was one of the good elements for us. But also there was a freedom that was given. It was interesting. It's a great article today uh, on cricket. No, this is totally different from Mike Atherton on Brendan McCollum's change as the coach for England. And that sense of sort of freedom of expression, we were given a, a template to play, but we were given a huge freedom of expression in 97. I know the game has changed an awful lot since, but you wonder sometimes whether some of that um, that freedom of, of thought of being able to make your own decisions at different times, whether that could be, um, you know, on, on back in vogue again at different times, because uh, Atherton's piece is more along the lines of it being, a, uh, a change from the state of the fear of failing and more sort of the joy and the expression of actually having a go and trying to get the blend of that right nearly at the moment could be could be relevant. Mm. Do, you, do you watch the game at times and point for that in the sense that you think it's almost too formulaic and too governed from above? Or uh, I do. I, I'm. I'm. Uh, it's funny. I you know I love the game. Still love the game, and I love seeing it being expressed and. If it's played like chess, um, I think at times it's that there seems to be not a lot of joy. There's a lot of efficiency in it. Um, and I just feel sometimes under huge pressure, we tend to revert to slightly more conservatism, whereas you'd like to maybe revert to more uh, freedom for it. And I wish I did it myself, actually. So it's criticism on myself. I wish I'd enjoyed the, the a bit more without having to take as much of the pressure that was there on it. Um I'd love to see, there's, there's been a lot of talk recently about, you know, partly because of Rassi Erasmus and the Lions tour last year, which was just rubbish with, you know, running on, telling everything. I wouldn't, I don't think anybody should have an earpiece going on there. I think water boys should be water boys like ball boys are. Um, I don't think you should be directing the game from from uh, from the sideline. I think that should be left to the players on the field. You want the leaders on the field to come to the fore and let them make their own decisions and rise or fall by it. Are Ireland different like post um, Schmidt uh, in that regard? Are they a little bit more sort of liberal or a little bit more free spirit? Uh, I I think they definitely are. I also think that I don't know that we could have been uh, freer if we hadn't been through the, the Joe Schmidt era. I think there was a sense of discipline um, and attention that was very necessary. And I think Schmidt did, a, did an extraordinary job. But I think you can only do it in that fashion for so long. Mm. I think it then becomes harder to be energised by it. And I do think that Ireland have been energised by it. And I will say, it's funny, when you're when you're looking back, because if we do a bit of a reflection on our season that we've seen from the provinces, 
that monster for me have been two prescribed uh, consistently. Um, I thought Leinster and Ulster, who have had phenomenal seasons, like really, really good seasons, until the last couple of weeks. And it's whether the they reverted to try to be more conservative at that stage or not. But I felt that they didn't play to the standards that they could have played in the last couple of matches. Now, they were put under huge pressure to do so. But it seemed as if they tightened a lot at that stage. And again, that's that piece of freedom where you'd like to try and get to. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's very hard when you look at it. What gets you the most successful thing that gets you to the last weekends of the year and then doesn't quite work because people stop you at source. That's pretty much what happened in, 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 in all those ending, ending games. So um, you look, you want, it's funny, um, Leo Cullen made a comment. He said, we want to make certain that Leinster are true to their DNA. And I don't know that they were on the last couple of weekends. I thought they became um, a little bit, um, not predictable, but a little bit nervous, actually. And uh, if they were true to their DNA, they'd have been having a cut constantly and every pass would have hit their hands because they were on fire for most of the season. So it, it's trying to get that little added blend for the last few weeks because I thought they were peerless for for the whole season bar the last two weekends. We're creeping up nicely, uh, Keith, towards this uh, this tour in New Zealand, just under two weeks until that opening tour match against the, the Maori All Blacks on, on Wednesday, June 29th. Then, of course, those th- three tests against uh, New Zealand on July 2nd, July 9th and July 16th, respectively, before returning home. Andy Farrell has named this this 40-man squad some interesting inclusions, some interesting omissions, like five uncapped rookies. You have 12 players with, with less than 10 caps. Any what are, the, what, are the, what are the headline, I guess, omissions and inclusions from your end? Yeah, I, and for me, I look, I look. I enjoyed looking at the at the squad. I enjoyed the youth that was brought into it. I do enjoy the, the amount of players that don't have a lot of caps. I think it's fantastic. We have midweek matches, and you know it's a long year, but um, the midweek matches offer an opportunity to blood players better. And I hope that um, they'll be blooded in some of them and may make the test team on the back of it. Um, uh, I'm look. I look at this on the back of what's happened for the in the last month in in provincial rugby, where we've been not that we've been found out, but where we've been stopped at source. You'd like to see how um, how Farrell can change the philosophy for that not to happen. And I think there is a bit more freedom actually in the in the Ireland squad. I think he he plays with with a lighter touch. Um, uh, our coaches with a, with a lighter touch. I think he seems to have that idea of pressure and freedom is there, and he hasn't been afraid to make mistakes. And that's one of those great things because it's a kind of difference between excellence and perfection. Uh, if you're striving for perfection all the time, you're going to be grumpy, and uh, you know because you're going to make mistakes. Whereas if you're going for excellence, you know you're just going to go for a very very high standard and try and get there and achieve it. And you're going to make mistakes on the way. And it just feels like that is the case. It is incredibly daunting uh, as a tour, but I think it's the best tour for us um, a year out from the World Cup. We get to find things out on this trip, and uh, I think we've enough of time to make changes between here and the World Cup to try and get ourselves into a better position because we've the worst group possible in the World Cup. Uh, very, very tough. Um, we want to make a progression, and uh, for that to be the case, something has to change because we've always faltered at... Uh, a quarter-final time and it would be great to see if we could move past that and I think that starts here 
it's funny how life comes at you so fast Jack O'Donoghue um, being named Monsters Player of the Year this week um, like he won the second of his only two Irish caps in 2017 which is quite hard to believe um, you know joint top try scorer for Munster this season an omission but I guess Keith the, the, the problem for Jack is that he's in such a competitive position yeah I, I would have brought him I have to say um, I thought he played he was playing incredibly well earlier in the year at one point he was playing uh, a lot better I thought than Peter O'Mahony um, um, there's peaks and troughs in every season but I'd like to see him get a run um, in a green jersey because I do think he has different elements that fit in um, and fit in and he's a big hard abrasive player and we need um, hard abrasive players and um, I would have brought him on it because not there's no you don't nobody deserves it actually you know you you, you get the chance you don't get the chance but uh, I think he might flourish in this in this Irish uh, in this Irish squad I, I look I do think that um, I do think this last year has been very difficult for Munster and Munster players um, and I don't think that their style has suited Ireland in any way shape or form and I think that's affected in perform in in selection. Um, and I think he may be suffering a little bit from that. I just think he has some of the attributes that we require for Ireland. The Harry Byrne inclusion um, is a really interesting one. I know Brian O'Driscoll spoke on the show last night about how he feels Harry maybe needs to play one of the tests. Um, clearly, Johnny Sexton might, might not be capable of playing every single minute. Uh, and you have Joey Carberry there as well. But it's it's quite an interesting one. Like He's only played four games at number 10 all, all season, Keith. But uh, would, you, would you have included him as, as the backup number 10 if, if you were picking this squad? I'm, I'm, I've nailed my colours to the mast very early and it hasn't worked out yet. So I presumed Carberry would be the man and the more he played, the better he'd get into it. I also think he suffers a little bit from the style under which Munster played this year. Um, uh, but he needs to raise his own game to get there. Harry Byrne has been talked about for, for two or three years as being the, the guy, you know, he leapfrogged his brother um, and I would say that that's correct um, because there may be more potential for Harry and that's what you're dealing with is potential. And so we, we know that Carberry can play very well. He hasn't played to the standards uh, of an international this year. So he needs to get into Ireland camp, get confidence, get playing, get playing very well. I think the exact same for uh, for Harry Byrne. Um, uh, when... when People keep talking about who do we, who are we going to have in there afterwards. There's been a, a litany of players, and none of them have have grabbed the jersey. Um, there is talk about Kieran Frawley. I just like to see him play ten. I think he's more robust. Um, but one thing I will say is, in the last couple of weeks, when uh, when uh, Irish teams are put under huge pressure by bigger opposition. Um, you then need to do something else and that something else has to be playing closer to the line. And Leinster continued to play under huge pressure, but they played behind the gain line and they were stopped behind the gain line. And so that requires a 10 to take it to the line. And um, at the moment, I don't know of any of the guys that are doing that. And that may be the issue for us because that's the thing that needs to be unlocked because if everything is done behind the gain line, unless every pass is absolutely perfect, uh, our teams seem to crumble somewhat. So they're put under too much pressure. The passes aren't good enough. A crumble for me is a pass that's a second longer to to, to be passed across the line because it's in, inaccurate. Um, because of the manner in which some of the teams play, it is that level of... Um, 
of delay can can ruin all the movement and can put you under pressure and um we you know we need options to go for that but nobody's putting their hand up and i'd still say johnny played some of the best rugby he's played he doesn't have the pace of old and that's an issue um his mind is still operating at a far higher level than anybody else around him he just seems very very calm within it um but people have to challenge him for the jersey and it's not happening. So is, is this a real crossroads in Carberry's career then with the change in Munster and the fact that, I mean, he's just had so many injuries, so many false dawns. Um, is this is this the moment now where, he, where it needs to happen for him? Yeah, I don't know that they're false dawns because he, when he played, when he came on the scene at 2021, he was brought in to deliver at different times for Ireland and for Leinster and he did it. Now, he did a lot of it from 15, but he did do it. Um, and he was well able to play. Then he had a really bad injury. I thought he was finished a couple of years ago um, and was very nearly finished. I do think that it was almost rushed back to play in that World Cup four years ago, and that seemed to take a long time to get over. Um, uh, now, every player wants to rush back, and, you know, it's it's how do you make those determinations, and they work sometimes, they don't work at other times, but it seems to have taken him a long time to get back to that uh, to that idea. Um I don't know. I just, I felt he'd kick on this year and he hasn't. So that's something that needs to, it's maybe the change by going on tour, by being in camp. If I go back to 25 years ago, the joy of going on a tour, the joy of being in a room saying that this is all you're going to do for the next period of time. And there's a sense of of, of freedom almost to that, to going in under management that uh, uh, know what it's like to play actually and know what it's like to to win which Farrell is, a, is an absolute born winner um, and to see how um, those guys can work on the psyche of some of the players on the technique of some of the players and try to bring them to the level that we always hoped that they'd get to and that's the that's the difference so we say potential for Harry Byrne we say potential for Joey Carberry well they haven't really shown what that potential is on the field so that needs to happen on this trip Keith great insight as always and fascinating to get those 1987 Lions memories as well thanks a million cheers gents OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar 